Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Christy, we just got to do one of our favorite things in uh, doing some intensive coaching with a lead pastor couple who uh, came all the way from a thousand miles away to meet with us. What an honor. And we got to uh, spend some hours with them. Uh, they've been under a lot of stress in this pandemic, a lot of difficulty, really struggling to find hope. And I'm very thankful to partner with you as a, a co coach uh, under Jesus, the wonderful counselor and caring for this couple. And uh, it's awesome. It's like pair skating with you to just to see the ways that you uh, lean in with your empathy and your voice and helping that pastor's wife to have a, have a place to be heard and to be a person with her, her feelings and her needs and her values and, and to help me uh, with not only reaching her, but that lead pastor and all the, the stress and discouragement he's been going through and uh, their needs for sabbatical. So that, that was quite an experience, and I'm, I'm blessed to partner with you. Mm-hmm. It's an honor and a privilege to partner with you, and most importantly for us to partner with the Lord as he ministers his hope, his love, his care to this couple. You who are listening, you you might be needing hope this time of year. You know, it's been a, a long haul through the pandemic, and here we are as we're broadcasting. It's a Holy Week, and so we want to wish you a happy Easter, and we want to uh, invite a conversation about the great hope that we have in the bodily resurrection of Jesus and how that relates to our day-to-day life and ministry in the context of the local church. So we're going to be talking about hope for your church and sometimes the way that we connect with that that hope from God uh, through Jesus is it's through our relationships with one another, and it might be through a spiritual director or a coach, like we got to do with this lead pastor couple. And Christy, that's why we have raised up a team of spiritual directors to help us in soul shepherding, to so that we can reach more pastors and missionaries and Christ followers with with empathy and with uh, prayerfulness and with gentle wisdom to help us as we follow Jesus. And we, we need uh, that hope uh, warmed up in our lives through uh, embodied relationships. Yeah, it involves care. Oftentimes when I'm really hurting and I'm feeling discouraged or hopeless, I need to be heard. I need somebody to hear my emotions, my experience, if they just sit cheerlead me by telling me all these things that I should have hope, it, it doesn't really work for me. I need to know that they're really understanding my experience, what I'm going through, my emotions. And as I, as I receive empathy and care as they contain that, then I find I'm at a place where hope can be renewed in me. Administering hope is not giving reassurance or cheerleading. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's it, not just wishful thinking. It's not just positive thinking. We're not we're not pumping up a Pollyannish joy that's not tied to reality. We're, we're not trying to get people to f- to feel more positive and more cheerful. A lot, a lot of times, with good intentions, that's what we do for each other. We try to encourage each other in, into feeling better. But what you're saying is, hope comes from going through the process of worry, discouragement, sadness, frustration. Uh, feelings of shame, conflict in relationship, the exhaustion of 
what we've been dealing with in the, the pandemic and, and conflict and, and so forth. We, we need to enter into that incarnationally, like, like Jesus did. God be taking on human flesh, going to the cross for us. We, we follow Jesus, and then we carry on the ministry of Jesus as, as the local church. Exactly. I wouldn't want our listeners to feel shame if they're feeling hopeless right now, for instance. Then Jesus name, wouldn't either. Yeah, it's different to feel hopeless versus to like live that out uh, in, an, in an attitude and a lifestyle of in, increasing d- depression, cynicism, uh, and even suicidality. It's like very dangerous to, to become a, a, a hopeless person in terms of how you're living out your life. But to have the feeling of hopelessness or discouragement is very natural, mm-hmm. and the uh, the treatment for that, the help for that, is the care. It, it's like Henry Nouwen says, uh, your your care is cure. Mm-hmm. It's not fixing. Right. And that was a big part of the conversation with this lead pastor couple. Is is so often the case in our churches, there we have this culture of trying to fix things, and it might be from from the elders or the people within the church or or uh, pastors on staff, but we we so can emphasize believing the right things and doing the right things, and as though that's sort of like the whole program of discipleship. And so then we're always trying to conform our our lifestyle and our relationships to these particular values and get them aligned right, which is all is is good. It, it's it's but it's limited. It's it's really superficial. It's not dealing with the deeper issues of what we're feeling, what we're struggling with, our habits, our relational connections, and and the deep choices coming from our heart. So we have to go deeper than believe and do in order to cultivate hope. Yeah, a lot of people I talk to right now are feeling hopeless. They're feeling discouraged. They're feeling despair, and that getting in touch with that and owning that and being honest about that. It's actually curative in the sense also because it's helping them to understand, well, they've put their hope in some things that were was wrongly displaced, like a political leader or like um, the vaccine. Or, you know, there's different things sometimes that we can fix our hope on that is a misplace of our hope. And of course, it's a, it's a uh, we we need good leaders, and mm-hmm. we naturally want leaders who represent our values. And uh, we're praying for vaccines, and we're thankful for the vaccines that are coming. And uh, there are, are many good things where where we live, where our kids go to school, uh, our health, the success of our of our work or of our church and our and our ministry. These are all things that we want to lean into and 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 hope for, pray for, but. To put our hope in those external things as though that's going to be my my stability, my my sustenance, my my joy. You know, we know it's and actually it's in Jesus. Uh, it's in His resurrection, and that's what we're celebrating this Easter. But how, how do we how do we embody that? How do we incorporate that into our the operating system of our personality and our lifestyle? David's prayer in the Psalm. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet again have reason to praise him. And that that's helpful to me at times when I find myself downcast, is it's an invitation there. Why am I downcast? And what does it take for me to be able to look at that, understand that, receive some empathy from Jesus, maybe from an ambassador of him, and then I get freed up again to renew and, and fix my hope back on Jesus. Yeah, that's Psalm 42, and it's such a great example. It really illustrates the the flow of consolation and desolation 
in our life, that there are times that we experience consolation, which is the felt sense of God's presence, and there are times that we experience desolation, which is the felt sense of God's absence. And in Journey of the Soul, we talk about how these are two different rhythms of grace, but the desolation doesn't feel like a grace. It's a hidden grace. And so trusting that, that God is in those, those down times when, when we're not feeling his presence, God is still there. And that's where we're prone to lose hope. It's in those seasons of desolation. And we, we've had a year with just full of desolation. Mm-hmm. Some of us feel like the whole year has been a desolation. I mean, there are uh, one uh, report from uh, Lifeway was that over 50% of pastors are, are wanting to quit. They, they want to they leave the pastorate and find a job in the marketplace uh, somewhere in the secular world. I, I talked to a pastor just recently. Who, that's the position that he's in. He, he's a seminary trained pastor, a younger pastor, very uh, devoted to the Lord. And I remember meeting with him as a as a young guy, uh, not long out of seminary, and all the enthusiasm and the freshness and his being with him as he grew through his leadership. And some tough things happened in his church and going through the pandemic then. And it's like. He's not sure he wants to be a pastor anymore. I mean, he still wants to be a minister and follow Jesus and lead people to Jesus. But the whole situation at the church, uh, now with the, the, the divisions and the expectations on pastors and trying to do so much digitally, it's like he's ready to say, enough. I, I want to find another way to earn a living for, for my family. And so these are, these are tough times. We got, uh, depending upon the study, 20% to 33% of church-going Christians pre-pandemic they're not going to church anymore. And so we, we talk with a, a pastor, church of 4,000. What's the, what's the church today? I don't, he says, I don't even know. It might be down to 1,000. And it's like, wow, that's like a precipitous drop in the, in the membership of, of the faithful that are gathered in community. And that's like really discouraging. And so it's easy to feel like, you know, where, where is the hope for us as church leaders in a time like this? And how how do we proceed on with a sense of of renewal and and vigor? And so I think we need to just say, well, what you know, what is hope anyway? <laughs> what what does it really mean to have hope? Because I think we can get confused about this, putting it in circumstances or, or thinking it's it's only an emotion, or 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 making it into something like a, a doctrine or an attitude. And so hope is the anticipation of unseen good from God. And that uh, would normally include emotion uh, and certainly our attitudes, uh, but also our choices and our, and our relational connections and in our prayers. And we can cultivate habits that help us to be, to be hopeful. And it's, it's like you were saying earlier, integrating the uh, demeanor of hope with authenticity and emotional honesty, because that's part of an essential part of healthy faith and that enables the hope to be robust so that we really have that Hebrews hope that is an anchor for our soul and that hope that Paul talks about in Colossians 1 uh, verse 5, that hope is a a spring. It's like a a life-giving spring of water that gives birth to faith and to love for one another. And it's like you just think about this like, wow, hope is like the most important thing. It's like the mother of faith and love. It's the mother of virtues. It's the conduit for God's, God's blessings. And so if we don't have that, that attitude and that, that trust and that, that knowledge and that relational engagement of hopefulness, we're like, we don't have much to work with. I think it's helpful to, that your definition there of hope, this 
anticipation, this expectation of good from God. Because I think so often we use the word kind of like, well, I hope so. Kind of like it's this just, you know, well, it's, it's my wish. Just a shrug of the shoulders. Right. Yeah. But not this true expectation of good from God. Yeah. And so what we're really talking about here with an unseen good, I mean, we can hope invisible goods too. And mm-hmm. it's natural to hope for better circumstances and to pray for that. We should pray for that. Mm-hmm. But if that's where our, our, our foundational or ultimate sense of hope is, we're missing the great opportunity and, and what's really going to work for us, which is to hope in our life with Jesus in the kingdom of God that is now and forever. And so that's where we talk about the, the resurrection of Jesus, and, and it's embodied. And so this hope that we need, it needs to be embodied. It needs to reach our embodied life today, and this embodied life is forever. We're going to get new bodies in heaven, just like Jesus in his resurrection. And so the, the things that we hope for, it, it needs to connect with our daily life circumstances, but yet transcend those circumstances. One of the things that has helped me in this period where so much of what we're hearing, these statistics about the church or our experience of the church and the way it has suffered so much, it's easy to to start to lose hope for the church. And yet it's helped me to revisit Paul's words in Ephesians where he says, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Or where Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. To, to remind myself that God hasn't abandoned the church. And I also, though, need I need those truths of scripture to help inspire hope, but I also need the hope of being connected to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this pandemic, we've been so disconnected. And so it's been really important for me in renewing of my hope when I connect with another brother and sister in Christ who is a part of the church, the big C, the church at large, and I hear of the ways that they're placing their hope in God. And it inspires me in my hope too. And I see, oh yes, there it is. See, there's there's the good of God manifest right there. Yeah, and so we've learned uh, in this pandemic that we can do more of that than we realized digitally. Uh, And we've also hopefully learned how precious it is when we can gather together in person and physically be together and uh, and hug, shake hands, uh, be eye to eye, face to face, and uh, communicate uh, in the fullness of nonverbal communication and embodied presence and, and, and pray together and learn together and and uh, hopefully we have a renewed appreciation for the power of meeting together, worshiping God together, having immersive experiences of singing praise to God with other Christ followers and being able to see our pastor you know, right there in front of us communicating with, with all of his or her heart and personality and to, and to glean and, and learn from that by being together. And so it's, it's not an either or. It's a both and. And so the, the digital ways that we can gather, like in, in your small group that, that gathers every week, I mean, just even this, this last week, you had a very powerful time. It was so uh, enriching for me. And I love talking to you after your, your, your group with the, 
the women, uh, these uh, uh, wonderful, high-powered Christ followers that you meet with who are you know, loving and empathetic, and you study God's Word together, and you pray together, you share your lives, and you, you come away with gleanings that are really valuable uh, for your life. Well, you know, even this week, as we all connected on Zoom, I think we were all kind of discouraged when we came into our time. And yet at the end of our time, we all were renewed in hope again, having heard how the Lord met us each in the scripture that we were meditating on from Luke 22. And we were inspired again of this expectation of good from God, because we saw it as we were listening to the Lord in scripture, meditating on where Jesus says to John and to Peter, you know, go into the town and prepare the Passover meal. And they're like, huh, how? And he's like, he gives them instructions. He says, well, you know, look for a man carrying a jar. Uh, One of the women said, there must have been so many people carrying jars of water, jugs of water in the city. How how are they going to find that one? And the other one said, well, it was a man. That would be really unusual for a man to be carrying a jug. And that ministered to me when she said that because I realized, Oh, you know, that that was probably a desolation for that man having to carry the jug. And he's yet, walking around, he's got a jug on his head, and he's the only man doing yeah, that. All, yeah. all, all the other jugs on the head are, are women, and that's, that's his culture. Yeah, and so I was thinking, you know, what happened? Did his servant get sick? Was, you know, what was the circumstance around him having to carry a jug of water that day? Probably it wasn't good. Maybe he was discouraged about it. But here, we now know that he was actually a sign that Jesus used to point the disciples to his action and his provision at a time that was really critical for the disciples because this was their last night with Jesus before he went through incredible betrayal and death. And what did the disciples feel? Hopeless, despairing, totally. Talk about a, a loss of hope that night, the one they'd put their hope in. It looked hopeless. And yet he had just given them this sign. And the, and the other thing that the scripture says in the in Luke 22 is that the disciples, as they saw this man and they did what Jesus told them to do, they found a room fully furnished. Hmm. And then it says, everything just as Jesus said. Hmm. Well, if there isn't a time for the disciples to need to see everything prophesied just as Jesus said, this wasn't the time they needed that because Jesus had prophesied about his death and his resurrection. And they didn't understand it. And so then when it happened and they saw him uh, bruised and beaten and uh, horribly you know, judged and, and crucified and just awfulness, and it's like, well, why doesn't he stop it? He's got, he's got the power to call down all the angels. Mm-hmm. He's got the power to calm storms and, and to heal bodies. And so he's, I thought he was the Messiah. And so they're totally disoriented and discouraged and feeling hopeless and plummeting into despair their whole lives don't make sense anymore. They don't know what to do. But at some point, they remember this story. And that's that's a part of the way that God prepared the ground for them, is what I hear you saying, to, to be encouraged and to put their, their, their confidence in Jesus and in God's inbreaking kingdom that's breaking into the visible circumstances. And that's what I hear you saying, that that's what was encouraging for you uh, and the other women in your group, in your circumstances where you're feeling some discouragement and some stress overload and tempted to, to be losing hope, even as we're coming into the Holy Week and Easter. But then here in this story, you see the, the, the inbreaking of, of sunlight. 
Yes, Jesus' goodness manifests even in this story again, even in the midst of maybe some emotions and circumstances of desolation. And even for this man carrying the, the water jug, it's like he's the, the forerunner of, uh, um, hey, men can serve too. <laughs> and uh, the equality of, of the genders. And uh, he's a, a forerunner of, of someone who he thought he was being the lowest but yet, look, his story is being told now for all these years, all these centuries. And he's one of the heroes because of uh, his humble service. Jesus used him as a sign that ultimately, you're saying, pointed to the uh, the resurrection of Jesus. I never thought about that. Yeah, it, it didn't look good and it didn't feel good, but it was God's goodness. And so this is hope. Hope is tied to, to knowledge, to, to, to spiritual knowledge spiritual reality. That's why hope is an anchor for our soul, Hebrews says. Hope is like really solid because it's tied to the unseen realities of God's kingdom, of Jesus' resurrection and his ongoing risen presence to love us and to guide us. That's our source of hope, is stepping into that world, taking Jesus' hand and stepping with him into Abba's world where Things are beautiful. All things are, are beautiful and, and glorious and wise and wonderful. And so we're learning to integrate the, the unseen world of God's presence with the, the visible world of our circumstances, which is ebbing and flowing with consolation and desolation and trials and injustice and spiritual warfare and so many things that, that can really uh, take, take away our hope or tempt us to take that away unless we will fix our eyes on the unseen presence of Jesus with us. And so when we have that kind of hope, it's like so powerful. That's why the scripture teaches us that, well, we don't grieve as the world grieves. We got a lot to grieve right now mm-hmm. in the pandemic. A lot of losses, uh, even even deaths and uh, uh, health issues. And in the church, like we've been talking about, there's reason for sadness. And we, we need we need to admit that and, and process through that and, and seek comfort and, and pray through that. But the scripture says we don't grieve as the world grieves, that it it tends towards a despair or a depression or an isolation or these false reassurances to try to uh, feel better or entertain ourselves or distract ourselves. No, we grieve with hope, this hope that's an anchor for our soul. And there is no greater hope for the world than the church because the church is the body of Christ. The church is the human visible uh, representation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we live that out by loving one another and loving the people around us and shining the light of God's knowledge of, hey, we can come join our community. We can teach you how to be a good person. Hey, come to our community. We are a spiritual hospital for you, whatever you are hurting or struggling with. And as we uh, open up the doors of our lives, not only our, our building, but of our lives, of our community, to the people around us. We are the hope that the world needs because Jesus' light is shining through us. I love how C.S. Lewis talks about how as Christians, we want to be spreading a good virus. And hope is part of that good virus. We can catch that from each other. We want to give that to each other. I was so blessed by Lois Frey writing in her review of Journey of the Soul that what was so helpful to her in understanding where she was in reading the book 
where she was with God, that it gave her hope. She says, it gave me hope that there's more to walking with Jesus than I've already encountered. I was coming out of a season at the wall and I didn't know what was next, or even that I had been at the wall until I read Journey of the Soul. And I love her saying that because that's one of the reasons why we wrote the book, was to give people hope that Jesus is with them. He's working good in every season, even in the desolation seasons, that there's good coming that we can anticipate in each stage of our journey. When we can be ministers of hope, then we can spread that uh, good virus of devotion to Jesus. And uh, that's, that's the best thing we can do. And so, yeah, we're so thankful to do that through Journey of the Soul and give you more uh, language and, and a model for the stages of faith and these different uh, consolations and desolations that we go through and how hope in Jesus carries us through the, the uh, ebbs and flows of our emotions and we can uh, grow to become more like Jesus in the process. And we would love to share with you, we have a coming webinar on a discipleship path for your church, and we are going to be unpacking how Journey of the Soul is a model for uh, church programming and church ministries to think about which stage of emotional and spiritual growth are my people in, and how are we meeting the needs of people at each of those stages? What, what, what programs do we have that are helping people along their path of discipleship? And what, how are we teaching different uh, soul care practices to guide people along in the journey of the soul through the Christ stages? What a joy it is to share this with all of you. So fun. Last week, we got to spend a day with a church staff locally here who is is using this pathway, using Journey of the Soul in their church on Sunday mornings and training their staff in it and, and talking to their staff about how does this apply in their ministry and just seeing the lights go on, the excitement there of what, what God can do and how they're learning and how he is reinvigorating them with a new vision for their ministry through understanding this map. Of, of growth and where their people are on the map. They're doing a whole sermon series and small groups going through Journey of the Soul. If you want to do that with your church or your community, just go to journeyofthesoul.org. We've got all the resources there for you to make it easy, a leader guide, uh, free videos, sermon notes, soul talk cards, and more. So check out journeyofthesoul.org. Jesus, how grateful we are to you that you endured the cross with joy to give us this true, this secure hope that is an anchor for our souls. I pray, Lord, for each of our listeners that they would have opportunities to be honest in their prayers to you about things that are blocking and robbing and stealing their hope, ways where their hope has been misdirected, and I pray that you would provide them opportunities to reorient and refix their souls in the true hope in you. And that each of us, Lord, would truly celebrate all the joy of rejoicing of the goodness of the hope that we have in you because of the cross and the resurrection. We love you and we praise you, our God, our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Christy and I are excited to tell you that we have a new resource for you, our Soul Shepherding Network. We have nine senior spiritual directors waiting and ready to listen to you 
with empathy and confidentiality to pray for you and to gently guide you in your walk with Jesus and in your life and your ministry. And so if you go to soulshepherding.org forward slash network, you, there you will see the profiles uh, for all of our spiritual directors and you can book an appointment uh, because gosh, this is a time when we need a soul friend. We need a trained mentor who is great at listening and asking questions and providing a safe space for our soul to, to give us that tender-hearted care and that winsome guidance that draws us to Jesus and helps us make sense of what's going on in our life and, and how to bring our best self into our relationships in our work. So that's soulshepherding.org forward slash network. If you want to thrive with Jesus in your life and leadership, continue to follow us. Visit us at soulshepherding.org where you can learn more about the resources, care, and training we offer. And be sure to sign up for our weekly email. And if you're on social media, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We especially love seeing your posts about this podcast and what's resonating with you, what you're learning, how it's working in your life. Be sure to post and tag Soul Shepherding and don't forget to leave a review help us spread the word about this podcast.